Welcome to the show. We are your SMX insiders, Jason Wigan and Daniel Blair. Three times the fun in this week's episode because Daniel had a triple crown and it absolutely delivered for Monster Energy Supercross and the Super Motocross World Championship at Anaheim too. Yeah, that was an awesome night. I mean, the crowd was into it from the very first gate drop. Um, and the triple crown format, I love it because it is just straight racing. Everyone, every race matters. You don't lead into the big one. It, everything matters. And I think that's why the excitement was there. And for me, it, it worked out perfectly because that final 450 race with four riders and a winner take all, we don't always get it that way. And on a track that was just crazy, crashing all over the, I mean, it just fit, it all tied together. And for a, if you're wanting a triple crown to work perfectly, I think this was the one. Yeah, and it scrambled the results. Normally, you leave Anaheim 1 with a bunch of questions, but we didn't have much. Anaheim 1 this year was, uh uh-oh, Eli Tomac's better than ever on a new bike. He might just dominate. He crashed and still won. Now we've got some things to talk about. Tomac and Webb both locked off the podium, Daniel. Chase Sexton gets a win. Roxon and Anderson much better. Now we've got ourselves some talking points. If you were trying to manipulate, like, the perfect storyline to keep this thing juicy, what you would do is you would have Tomac and Webb off the podium, like you said. You'd have Tomac with this crazy get-off. First off, I'm glad he's okay, which that was a terrible crash, but the fact that he's okay off the podium and then throw Sexton in there with the victory, he's the hype guy from the summer. Like, if you were, you know, creating this perfect storyline, it, it happened, and it, it was great for the title. Roxon looks better. Anderson looks like he's cleaning things up. So, um, yeah, if you look 30,000 feet out, it was a perfect night to set up the next round in Houston. So yeah, kudos to Anaheim. It delivered. It's time for the big interview. I wish we could have just started the show with this because we now have the best analyst in the history of the race day live show joined by the great Justin Brayton. Sorry, Daniel. I don't know where you were this weekend on Saturday. I I didn't pay any attention, but I know Brayton was on race day live. Big upgrade. As far as I'm concerned, JB, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Weech. Good to be on. It It was fun doing some race day live. Uh, Holding the, keeping Daniel's seat warm, I guess. Uh, it was great. Bench race from a Villapoto, ch- hanging out with uh, Dan Hubbard. Okay, so the, the big story we got to talk about right here at the top is Chase Sexton finally get a win. I mean, you were buzzing even before last year with the riding style, the form, the talent of Sexton. Is this finally time? Because we've got to this point before, and it doesn't always last. Well, the one thing I will say is obviously, you know, the more races he has under his belt, the better, right? And if we think of Sexton, we obviously think of mistakes, but then you, you flip to triple crowns. It's the guy who can make the least amount of mistakes over three races, three gate drops, three just intense battles. And he executed all three. I mean, the second one was, a, you know, a, a little mistake, but to win two out of three, I mean, the guy was incredible all day long, so we could argue that it's Chase Sexton's year, and, and it could be. The only thing is, there's this guy with the number one plate that's been incredible. Let's talk Ken Roxon. You know him well. Um, I've been saying that Roxon looked like a guy who was tested. He did not look like he had that last edge until round three, but the first two rounds, to me, was looked like he was evaluating a motorcycle. How much do you think he has to gain? How much better can Kenny keep getting? Because clearly he made progress from rounds two and three. Yeah. And the thing I've been saying for, you know, I I said on race day live this past weekend was I think we're expecting too much because we've obviously seen seen him be incredible to start seasons. You know, he's won the Anaheim opener several times. Um, The thing I will say is he had six years with the same team and the same motorcycle. So the lingo between a rider and a team, I, I personally, I think it takes 12 months to learn. 
I think he's right on track. And then think about the mindset, his mindset right now of typically he starts a season really, really strong. And then he'll go, he's fighting from the front, you know, then, then you've just got all these people coming from the back, which Tomac and Webb and these guys. Well, now he's those, he's one of those guys. He's, he's continuing to get better each and every week. I think there's a lot more to come from him and I'm not just being biased. Like I said, I'm a little bit on the inside of this, but I think he's in a great situation. He wants it more than ever. And, and I think it proves that his body's able to push through some training and push to the end of these races. Tomac, um, big crash, JB. We don't see that often. What's it like as a rider? You, you are the same way. You were not a crasher. When you have a big one, what's the next week like in, inside the helmet? What, I mean, what are you thinking? Are you second guessing things, even though it was an odd crash, whatever? He's just, he don't hit the ground often. So I have to imagine it could be an awkward week or two. Uh, your thoughts, just being a racer who also doesn't crash a lot and had to bounce back when you did have a random big crash. Well, I think if you're Eli, you just got to be happy you're not hurt. That, that was a really big crash. And we don't know for sure, right? Maybe there's a, a lingering issue. You know, he landed on his shoulder pretty hard. But what I will say, that's why I love these triple crowns so much. I, I was 50-50 on them as a rider, right? There's three gate drops and a lot of mistakes. But I truly believe that if that was a 20-minute main, 20-minute plus a lot main, he doesn't try to make that pass right there because he was forcing it. He, he could see those guys starting to get away. He was a little faster than Coop. And he's like, I have to make this pass now because he'd been trying to make the pass, right? I was, I was watching it. He was trying inside, outside. And, and he looked incredible. Like, let's, no mistake about it. Like, he looked really good. He just didn't get his starts, which that's a whole nother thing. He'd been getting great starts. Where were they These this when you really, really needed him at a triple crown? Still a red plate, too. You know, that's where a triple crown comes into play. You can get a, two really good results and a bad one and still uh, still come out with some good points. We've been talking quite a bit. He was right behind Webb, like you said. Webb has this Chad Reed-like ability, I said, to He's not riding dirty, but, man, he's got to be frustrating to deal with. Kudos to, to Coop. We've, we've said it time and time again, even in his championship years. He's never had the most speed. We, we talk about that all the time. He's not the guy that's typically going to go qualify fastest like a Sexton. And when you watch him, it's not like, you know, this past weekend, Chase was so fast. When you watch him do a lap, you're like, wow, like that's incredible. Have we ever said that about Coop? Not really. I haven't anyways. But then you get to the last 10 minutes of a main or you get late late in the night. It's like, then that's when you get the wow from Coop to, I can't believe he's hanging in there. And I, I can't believe he reeled in Tomac, reeled in Roxon, reeled in Section. That last main was impressive by Coop. Coop just late in the race. I've never seen anyone in my life be as good as him late in those races. So and I, I mentioned on Race Day Live, I said, watch Coop in the third race tonight late and sure enough there he is just he was never giving up he was still aggressive in the rhythm lanes finding those low lines in the turn so uh he's incredible it, it really is but that fierce speed that's just not coop's thing yeah yeah we know you're an upgrade over blair on the show but blair i'll give you credit what did you say right at the last lap of the main event cooper webb just can't help himself he can't help himself mm -hmm. right there no matter what he's one of those guys that when the race is over the leaders cruising it in he just charges hard just to make it look tighter than it was. Send a little baby message, maybe to the guy, maybe to himself. I don't know what he, no, we, he can't help himself. He just mm -hmm. goes to the end and tries to just make the result sheet look a little weirder. All right. Great stuff. Thanks for having us. Uh, give some time for us, JB. We'll get you again in Houston to continue to upgrade the race day live show for when they normally have <laughs> Daniel Blair there. Yep. Excited to do it again. And uh, thanks for having me on guys. Well, Jason, did you enjoy that interview? 
You like I that? wish it was bigger. I wish the big interview was bigger, to be honest. It's, give me more. Every week. Every week. Hey, if you like Justin Brayton I'll, as much as Jason does, uh, you can catch him on Race Day Live in Houston. He'll be back for another round. So uh, there you go, Jason. You can watch Great. him there. Love hey, uh, 30-second board time. Supercross Futures. I'll start there. I loved that it was at night. It was on the broadcast. Had a chance to watch these young, wild talents that... Jason, I don't know about you, but I love seeing the skill set, and I also like the mess. They don't have it together just yet, and seeing that on screen and hearing the interviews, I just think was a great addition to the race. Yeah, and I know the big story coming in was Hayden Deegan. He's probably the hottest prospect right now. It wasn't great for him. He ended up crashing. Uh, Julian Bomer was actually the fastest rider in practice. But what I also like about it, Daniel, is you really get to see such huge separation. They all made mistakes, but, man, Daxton Bennett looked a lot more like a pro so that's like real scouting there so yeah it's really cool to be able to see that uh in front of everybody uh if you're kawasaki though you probably wish you had someone coming through the ranks they lost Ryder Francesco from uh futures with an injury and then they've lost everyone else we already know austin fortner's out then seth hamaker gets hurt uh going into east then joe shimoda who normally is the most consistent guy he gets hurt we were down to one guy cameron McAdoo, and then we almost lost him daniel Unbelievable for Kawasaki. I mean, what a week. I, I It was like every time I refreshed my Instagram, it was another Kawasaki guy down and out. And it, it's a bummer for the team. It's a bummer for the individuals. But for us, too, the East Coast Championship starting up. Hamaker, Shimoda, like, I think those guys are, th- those are title fight guys. Like, they were going to be in this thing. But, yeah, McAdoo, talk about just the toughest dude on the planet. I mean, how many times does he have to prove it? And yeah, I, at one point in the night, I'm thinking they're going to lose him too. And Kawasaki would have nobody in the 250 class. Um, but luckily for Mitch Payton and Kawasaki and for Cameron McAdoo, he was okay. But I, did you see the photos? I, I didn't like what I saw, man. But I, it's becoming a thing with him where he has these big crashes. He gets beat up. There he is. He's on track. Yeah, unbelievable what we've seen him pull off before. And then when he has problems, you're like, man, they are even making this easier on Jet Lords because McAdoo was one of the few riders to possibly beat him. Is there something about these triple crowns? He's down, he's down again, he's down again. That is it. It is the kryptonite for Jet Lords. You know, for Jet, um, he walked into our TV trap. Uh, we came right out in the broadcast. We, we laid it all out for y'all. We said, look, this guy's bad in triple crowns. And I'm thinking in my head, okay, this is probably the night he gets it and figures it all out. He's been so good this year. And then he just has two terrible races and falls right into the trap and yeah can't get the triple crown figured out uh i guess jet's human jason i didn't know it till now but now i know he is a he's a human being which is i think good for everybody there's there is a as ricky would say a kink in the in the chain jet's got a problem everybody he can't do the triple crowns um eli tomac can do triple crowns but on this night uh not as easy the starts were weird Good fight, but I, I don't know about you, but I thought he rode a little on the desperate side in race three. He was pushing, doing things that he doesn't typically do, trying to jump onto that tabletop, cased it, then the big crash. He seemed a little desperate to me. What'd you think? Well, I think Cooper Webb created a lot of that. He just couldn't get around him. And Webb has that craftiness we always talk about, but he's so good at knowing exactly where you want to pass him and just putting his bike there. It's not dirty, it's not even aggressive. He just frustrates you because you're like, I was going to pass him. Ah, he's right there. I'm going to pass him here. Oh, he's right there. And we don't normally see huge crashes like that from Eli Tomac. I wonder, the title fight's already building up. He's starting to get frustrated. Time's running out. I wonder if Webb's frustration led to that crash for Tomac. 
Yeah, I, I think so. Ricky mentioned that in the post-race show. He thinks that Webb is the guy that can get in there and get in his head a little bit. And you're right. He's such a stubborn racer. And it looked to me like Eli was getting frustrated and took a gamble. And that's not typical. I mean, I, I can't think of the last time when he crashed, maybe Monster Cup years ago. I remember him swapping out in a sweeper. But have you? do you remember any crashes like that? Other than that one, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Well, he, he crashed away the 2015 uh, Outdoor Motocross Championship, but that's 2015, 2015. And you're referencing a crash from 2017. That's a long time ago in racing terms. Well, he got lucky hitting that tough block, uh, but we'll see how it affects him going forward. Definitely made this series look a little more wide open. And wide open it is as we get ready for 250 Supercross East. As we mentioned, we've already lost Joe Shimoda and Seth Hamaker with injury. So what are you thinking as we go into East? I hate to say this, but it's probably going to be more Lawrence Brothers hype, everybody. Yeah, but they deserve it. The way they ride, the way they act, uh, the way they've grown into this fan base with their story. I mean, everyone loves the Lawrence Brothers for more than just what they do on the track. So it's Hunter's turn now, and he's going to be great. He won four races last year. I think Michael Moseman can definitely get in there and make things fun. I've been telling you guys for weeks, longer months, Jordan Smith if he stays healthy, can be the Christian Craig, the Colt Nichols, the Dylan Ferrandis, four-star Yamaha. They, they need the vet to go in there and do his job. He almost won the championship twice. So I, either I'm going to get completely blindsided and he's not going to be as relevant as I think, or Jason, I'm on to something. Because I'm telling you, Jordan Smith at full strength on that bike, he's going to be interesting. I'll start at the floor. At the floor, he's interesting. At the ceiling, I think he could be great. Uh, another stock on the rise is Ken Roxon. Pretty good at the first two rounds, but look, I was critical of it. You didn't see that last bit of Ken Roxon flash or speed or aggression. He literally looked like a guy that was testing a motorcycle during a race, which then he explained he was. Clearly, they got it better because I feel like that last bit of Ken Roxon was back. A huge battle trying to fend off Eli Tomac. He went to that next level in the second race, and he's on the podium now. We might have something with this Ken Roxon Suzuki deal for real. This sport is so confusing sometimes. Would you have predicted that Ken Roxon would come in a little bit quiet, race his way into contention, <laughs> test his bike? It seems very Eli Tomac-like. And then you have Tomac just blowing everyone's doors off at the first two rounds, which is a Ken Roxon type thing. So it's like they swapped formulas or something. I don't know. Um, but I'm all in on Kenny, too. And it's mainly the attitude for me. And he seems locked in. And he's happy Kenny. We've talked about it from the very beginning. What, happy Kenny's good Kenny. Super happy right now. Speaking of happy, you think Jay Sexton's happy right now to get that victory at round number three like he did last year? The difference is, Jason, he's showing the maturity. He's trying to show the maturity, but now he's got the win and that crazy speed and qualifying was back. Jay Sexton's hot, in my opinion. Yeah, it might seem like the pundits like us react too quickly to things, but even Chase Sexton himself comes into this race saying, I was mediocre at the first two races. I had to stop the bleeding after just two races. So they're desperate to turn things around, too. He did. We'll get into it a little bit later in the show. But it wasn't just that he won. His speed. His speed was a level above everybody else. That's a big sign. Now, on the opposite, let's go to the 250 class kitchen for getting the win. He really handled the third race perfectly. That's what got him the overall. And, yeah, he was spectacular. But my question is, is it because of the Triple Crown format and the chaos that helped him get the win? Do we really want to buy the stock on kitchen until we see a 15-minute plus one? Because, honestly... Triple Crowns, Jason, they bring out the mess and the nonsense and the chaos, but Kitchen was great on this night. Yeah, well, that brings the not on our hot not list. Let's go to all the 250 West contenders. We already mentioned McAdoo. And then RJ Hampshire, this was your night. This was your chance. You mentioned other guys that went down, Pierce Brown, uh, Maximus Volan. 
But RJ, come on, RJ. Don't go RJ on us. But he did. Yeah, he, he's the one I'm so bummed with because he did the first race like it was textbook. He was perfect. Got out front. And you're thinking, wow, he really is ready to take the leap. And then as soon as he got into some mess in race two, all the, you know, got a little chaotic. He was in that Jet Lawrence Oldenburg thing, too. It's like all of a sudden the environment changed him. And then the next thing you know, he's down once. He's down twice. And the whole thing kind of unraveled. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping that the break helps him. And he's able to come right back at the next one and be okay. Um, but honestly, that was not a good night for a guy who seemed to be getting things together, um, but just not on this night. And, and that's tough for him. He's going to have to bounce back. Uh, speaking of bouncing back, Jason Anderson, I, I think that he rode great. We should be happy for him in his riding. But Jason, the relationships on the track, they're not trending in the right direction for Jason Anderson. They seem to be falling apart. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see that Anderson, who I would think coming into the year, he knows how many points he lost with the on and off track dramas last season. You'd think his number one goal is stay out of that stuff. But if anything, he's leaning into it. And I mean, literally, I mean, he used that front wheel to put Cooper Webb down for sure. That was not an accident. And race one gets into it after he wins race two with Justin Starling, who is a lap rider. We all know about the drama from last week with Barsha. And I asked him about the tweet. He did not apologize for it. He said it was the AMA that made him take it down. He didn't care. He said it's always personal because we put so much into trying to win these races. So Anderson is not looking to change that part of his game at all. We hate to put this on the list. We were so pumped on Enzo Lopes in the first two rounds. And with the Triple Crown and his starts and his speed, we thought this could be the night for a podium or even a win. But bottom fell out. I believe if we're going to give people love for when they're doing things right, we should take away the love when they're doing things wrong. And yeah, for Enzo Lopes, just a bad night. It fell apart early. He was not relevant on this night. I think he'll bounce back. I think he's I think he's really good. Um, but even even the good guys have bad nights, Jason. And on this night, Enzo Lopes was uh he was not at his best. All 31 Super Motocross World Championship events can be streamed domestically. That's here in the US on Peacock. To subscribe, go to PeacockTV.com slash sports slash Supermotocross. And for the fans of Supermotocross, they'll have a chance to watch it all year long on Peacock, NBC, and USA Network. And for the international fans, you can join in the fun by getting the Supermotocross video pass. Go to Supermotocross.tv to purchase access to every moment of the 2023 Supercross season, the Pro Motocross season, and of course, Supermotocross live events in one place. Plus... Get over 800 plus hours of archived races. All right, time for Fowler's Facts. We're going to bring our stat man, Clinton Fowler, onto the show to make us all a little bit smarter. The obvious story at the top, second career win for Chase Sexton. So let's dig into the data. What did you see on Sexton? Weege, Sexton made a statement in, at Anaheim, too, in the Triple Crowns. No questions about it. An incredibly well-deserved win. Uh, he sits just four points out of the championship right now, which is pretty impressive when we're three rounds in. Um, <clears throat> and the speed, incredible. He set seven of the ten fastest laps wow. in the entire event. So you just think about, you know, last week we were talking about Webb, we were talking about Tomac, and in particular we were talking about Tomac having four of the six fastest laps. This week it was Sexton, and Sexton entirely. So no question he's got the speed. But Daniel, guess what? I'm not sold. I'm not sold entirely. What do you think, Daniel? I, well, I know why you're not sold, and I'm right there with you. And it's because it was a triple crown format, 
which is a three-race format. The consistency across the board gets you the win. So the two ones helped him. But in race two, I'm, I'm assuming that's where you're not sold because he pulled a, a chase. He washed out. The start wasn't great. I don't know what the lap times are. I know you're going to tell us now. But if that was his actual main event, we're not talking about Sexton the winner. We're talking about Sexton doing a washout again or having an issue again. So I think the format saved him. Um, and I'm assuming the speed probably wasn't great in race two because I don't remember him ever being clear, was he? No, and you're, you're spot on. That yeah, The exact same reason why I'm not sold, Daniel. Um, that washout in the start was the, was the thing that just gives me a little bit of pause. Um, the speed wasn't there either. In the first race and in the second race, he had incredible laps. In the, in the second one, he only had one lap that was in the top 10 fastest laps of the entire main event. So, whereas you sit in the first race, he had six of the top 10 fastest. You look at the third race, he had five of the top 10 fastest. In both the third and first race, he had the three fastest laps of those, those mains. Um, but in the second, he couldn't bring it. So when he didn't have the start and he had to come through the pack, he struggled. And so I'm just not sold quite yet. Daniel. Okay, it looks like a bad night for Tomac, and normally he does well at Triple Crown. So we had no reason to think, well, this format doesn't favor him. But is it possible that maybe it doesn't? That get us back to a 20-minute main, and Tomac will be fine again. Well, that's the big question, in my opinion, going into Houston, is can Eli Tomac bounce back from the big crash, and can Chase Sexton prove that he is a legitimate title contender by winning a 20 plus one. Because like we said, the triple crown saved him a little bit. If race two was his main event, it's a different conversation. So if Chase can do a 20 plus one, I, I'm probably all in at that point. And then, yeah, Eli Tomac, I want to see if he can bounce back from that big crash because we know he has the speed. We know he can do it all. But can he do it all after a rough weekend? That's my big question. All right. Now, the other cool thing about Houston, it will be the kickoff for 250 Supercross East. As we mentioned, we've already lost some contenders like Joe Shimoda and Seth Hamaker. Hey, shout out to the veteran, Chris Zombie Blows, who's going to be the fill-in. That's cool for that team and for that rider. But they've lost their two riders they're going to rely on to try to win the title. We had mentioned already in the show, Clinton, that this makes Hunter Lawrence a huge favorite coming in. So what are you seeing with 250 East? Yeah, Hunter Lawrence, I think, is the title favorite. Um, you look at his uh, 2022 season, four wins, nine podiums, uh, pretty amazing. The only thing that really kept him from contending with Christian Craig at the end of the year was that crash in the whoops at Anaheim 3. So you eliminate one mistake and maybe the outcome of that season is a little bit different. So for me, Hunter Lawrence is the is the incumbent, if you will. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Daniel? I think he is probably the standalone favorite, but I just can't get off the Jordan Smith hype that I'm creating in my own bubble that no one seems to want to be a part of. I, I, look, look, that team takes the vets with the story and makes them champions. Christian Craig, two years before he won his title, I said, if he goes on that team, he's winning it. And everyone laughed at me, and then he won the championship. So you're all laughing at me now with Jordan Smith. My heart tells me Jordan's going to be a problem. Clinton, tell, tell me what my head's supposed to be thinking because I'm sure there's some there's some information that's gonna rock my my opinion here. But God, I'm just I'm all in, dude. I can't take I can't help it. I'm all in. Yeah, I mean Jordan Jordan Smith. You got he's, it's awesome to see him on his third factory ride. Uh, the challenge that I think we've got with Jordan three wins in his career, amazing. But his last win was Daytona of 2018. So it's been a while. And the biggest issue for him has been injuries. He's been injured every season since that season in 2018 where he finished second to Zach Osborne in the championship. So we know he's got the talent. He's won. He's stood on the top of the podium. But for Jordan Smith, I think now is is kind of the, I don't know if it's the last 
last chance in the 250s. Um, but this ride, the star racing ride, we've got to see him on the podiums multiple times. The takes are getting bolder from Daniel. <laughs> are we going to have a Smith versus Ricky Carmichael or Jeremy McGrath, Goat King? Is that coming? Uh, if, if Jordan wins in Houston, just keep me off the show the next week. I, you guys, you, you will not want to hear my take. They wouldn't even need fireworks for the opening ceremonies the next week. It'll just be Daniel blowing up when we go to the next race in Tampa. Um, let's go to his teammate. Okay, you think it's strange that Jordan Smith hasn't won a race in a while? Uh, let's talk about the strangest stat line in Supercross history with Nate Thrasher, Clinton. Yeah, Nate Thrasher, amazing. 18 career races. He's got three wins. The only three trips to the podiums. Let's get even weirder. Two of those three wins, he won the LCQ that night, right? So just absolutely just an odd odd stat line. But the really the thing that sticks out for me with Thrasher, first lap average position in his career is 10th place. Um, in nine of 18 of those races, he's just clearly gotten a bad start. Um, and hence why he's probably only been uh, three, three visits to the podium all wins. So for me, it's really interesting to see if he can get consistent with those starts uh, to compete up front. And I think one other rider we got to address is uh, Michael Moseman, who's always fast. Uh, but the tip overs and the mistakes have cost him. What's the data show you on Moseman? Yeah, the facts nail it exactly like you said, Reach. He, uh, last year, four-time fastest lap in the main event. Tied with Christian Treg for the number of fast laps in the main events. So clearly got the speed, clearly has the talent to run up front. But four out of ten races, he started outside of the top ten. He simply, his first lap average position is eight. Like, Daniel, you can't, you're not going to win if you're starting outside the top ten, no matter how fast you are, right? Especially when Hunter Lawrence is a really good starter too. So that, that's you got to always be aware of your competition strengths. And if their strength is maybe one of your biggest weaknesses, and it happens to be the most important part of the race, um, yeah, he's going to have to be better on starts because we know Hunter nails him. So let's find out how it unfurls in uh, Houston. Clinton, looking forward to it, right? I am. I'll be in Houston. Looking forward to seeing you guys. All right. Thanks. Okay. That's going to do it for our Anaheim 2 wrap-up. We're headed to Houston. And as mentioned, the first 250 East race of the year. You can watch coverage with Race Day Live on Peacock starting at 2.30 Eastern. And the night show starts at 8 Eastern again on Peacock. Race Day Live will be better because they'll have Brayton instead of you, Blair. But still, lots to look forward to in Houston. Yeah, Houston's great. Great place uh, for racing. We've had some good battles there. I think about the Cooper Webb-Marvin Muscan uh, battle from years ago. So uh, I like that there's that center part of the stadium that goes a little deeper. So those middle lanes are longer. Houston's awesome. Uh, and then also to know as the season unravels and we learn more about Super Motocross and how the format works, Eli Tomac, Chase Sexton now have automatically qualified to be participants in the playoff, as well as Levi Kitchen and Jet Lawrence. That's one of the perks of winning a race is you do get a shot regardless of what happens throughout the rest of the season. So they're all in it and a lot more racing to go before we get to the Super Motocross World Championship playoffs. But we're just getting started and Houston's going to be a good one. Yep, can't wait. We'll see you there. He's Daniel. I'm Jason. Thanks for watching SMX Insider.